Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to my podcast, But First Pivot. I'm Danny, registered dietitian, certified sports dietitian, and CEO of Pivot Nutrition Coaching. I'm here to share my all foods fit approach and real life client success stories to inspire you to pivot away from all the fad diet nonsense and confusion. My goal is to simplify nutrition so you can enjoy foods you love like donuts and pizza and still achieve your health, performance, and body composition goals. What's going on, everybody? Thanks for tuning in. Today, we are going to talk macros because I often mention macros on my Instagram story, and I've realized that many people don't know what I'm talking about when I say or use the word macros. So today we're going to dive into macros 101, and then after that, I'm going to go into should you track your macros or not. So let's dive right in. When I say macros, what does that mean? Well, macros is short for macro nutrients. A macronutrient is a nutrient that the body requires in large, aka macro, amounts. The three macros or macronutrients are protein, carbs, and fats. You may have heard the word micronutrients. That's a nutrient that the body requires in smaller or micro amounts. Micronutrients are vitamins and minerals. We need larger amounts of protein, carbs, and fats and smaller amounts of those micronutrients. Let's kick it off with protein, the building blocks of the body. Protein is a large molecule made up of smaller molecules called amino acids. There are 20 amino acids. Our bodies can make 11, which means that nine of them are essential. What this means is we need to consume them. So our bodies make 11 out of the 20 amino acids, and then we have to eat the other nine through our diet. Why is protein important? Well, it helps keep blood sugar stable. It increases satiety. So it sends a signal to your brain saying, we're full. Muscle growth. Protein stimulates muscle protein synthesis. If your goal is to build muscle, you need to eat enough protein. Protein also supports recovery from training. So after hard training sessions, it's going to help with the repair of muscle tissue. It stimulates metabolism and so much more. How many calories are in protein? Four calories per gram. How much do you need? That depends because everybody is unique, but I'll give you some general guidelines. The current recommended intake for protein is around 1 to 1.5 grams per kilo of body weight. So in order to determine your body weight in kilos, if you only know your body weight in pounds, take your total pounds and divide by 2.2, and that's going to give you your weight in kilos. Active individuals, especially those who strength train, should aim for 1.7 to 2.2 grams per kilo. A simpler way to look at it, if you're like, Danny, those numbers and those kilos, that's too much for me. Aim for 20 to 40 grams of protein at each meal and at least 10 grams of protein at each snack. If that's still confusing because you don't know grams very well, think about including one to two palmfuls at each meal and a palmful at each snack. The most important thing is that you include a protein source at each meal and snack. So if right now you're not doing that, I would start with this foundational habit. Good sources of protein, meat, fish, poultry, eggs, dairy, like Greek yogurt and cottage cheese, beans and lentils, 
tofu, edamame, quality protein powder. The key is quality there. Not all protein powders are created equal, and that's a whole episode on its own. Those are just some examples of protein sources. Let's move on to carbs. Carbs are not the enemy. Contrary to popular belief, my friends, carbs do not directly cause weight gain. Eating too many calories more than you expend over time leads to weight gain. In order to put on weight, there needs to be a calorie surplus. Though you might think that most people eat too many carbs, I would say that at least one-third or 33% of our incoming clients who are struggling to achieve their health, performance, and body composition goals are not eating enough. One of my clients was working out five to six times per week for about two hours on average, and she was only eating about 140 to 150 grams of carbs per day. This is not enough for someone who is this active. Most active people that I work with one-on-one are not eating enough carbs to support performance, recovery, and more. When I give my clients the gift of carbohydrates, they are shocked. They feel so much better. They perform better. They sleep better. It's a magical thing, my friends. And it's all about balance. The key is always eating enough. Enough carbs, enough calories, enough protein. It's truly a balancing act. If you feel like your performance is struggling, the answer is almost always eating enough. Why are carbs important? Well, first, carbs are delicious. I've never met anyone that doesn't like carbs. So if you enjoy carbs, if some of your favorite foods are carbohydrates, eliminating them is probably not the answer. Because when we restrict, we binge. We overindulge. We want things that we can't have. So if you love carbs, cutting them out, probably not ideal. If anything, I would say portion them out. Some of my clients or people I know have told me, well, Danny, when I cut carbs, I lose weight. And when I eat them, I gain weight. I see where they're coming from. However, when people cut carbs, for example, a low-carb diet or a keto diet, The reason that they're losing weight is because they're now in a calorie deficit. And it's not only because they're removing carbs as a food group. Most foods that we think of as carbs, like cookies, pastries, pizza, burgers, sandwiches, actually have a lot of fat. And we'll get to fats in a second, but fats have more than two times the calories per gram compared to carbs. So when we remove carbs from a diet or when we significantly reduce our carb intake, we don't realize that we're cutting out a huge amount of fat, which are really high in calories. That doesn't mean that we can't include fats or carbs. What I'm saying is when you go on a low-carb diet or when you eliminate carbs, Weight loss or fat loss is occurring because you're in a calorie deficit. If there's a calorie deficit, there will be fat loss. Carbs are also a great source of dietary fiber. Fiber is essential for gut health, digestion, balancing blood sugars, heart health. And when it comes to exercise, carbs are the real MVP. 
Carbs are the preferred energy source for the body. It's the number one energy source for the muscles and the brain. What this means is carbs are key for fueling performance, especially high-intensity exercise. Like I said earlier, most active people do not consume enough carbs, but once they do, it is a total game changer. The amount of carbs you need depends on several factors, such as your body weight, your lean mass, your training intensity and frequency, medical conditions like PCOS, for example, phases of life, and your body composition goals. Carbs is probably the macronutrient that we adjust the most when it comes to coaching our clients. Similar to protein, carbs provide four calories per gram. Some foods include fruit. Yes, fruit is a carb, and that's okay. You can eat fruit. If you are afraid to eat fruit, my friend, I give you full permission to include fruit every single day, guilt-free. Fruit has natural sugar. Big deal. Most people are not eating enough fruits and vegetables in general, so I don't really put a limit on fruit unless someone's eating like five bananas a day. Too much of a good thing is never a good thing. It's all about balance. But do not be afraid of fruit. Just pair that fruit with a protein because no naked carbs. We've talked about this before. Fruit also contains minerals, vitamins, fiber, and antioxidants. Other carb foods, vegetables. Yes, veggies are technically a part of the carbohydrate family. Oatmeal, cereals, rice, pasta, bread, corn. Corn is a grain, not a vegetable. And then soda, juice, sugars, and more. Let's move on to fats. Just like carbs, fat is also demonized. But fats are essential. There are three types of fatty acids which make up fats. We got saturated fats, monounsaturated, and polyunsaturated. Saturated fats are found in things like cheese, milk, red meat, coconut oil, and butter. Monounsaturated fats are found in olive oil, almonds, and avocado. And then our polyunsaturated fats are found in things like salmon, walnuts, and flaxseed. When it comes to fat... It's all about focusing on the healthier fats. Two essential fats required by the body are omega-3 and omega-6. We talked about the word essential before when it came to the amino acid. Essential means we need to eat them. So when it comes to omega-3s and omega-6, they are essential. We have to consume them in order to get them. Most North Americans don't get enough omega-3 fats. They have a much higher omega-6 to 3 ratio. Ideally, we want our omega-6 to 3 ratio to be 4 to 1. But last time I checked, in the American diet, we have a 25 to 1 ratio of omega-6 to omega-3s. This is not good, my friends, because having lots of omega-6 fats can increase inflammation, and those omega-3s are going to reduce inflammation. They also play a key role in brain health and development. Then we have our trans fats, also called partially hydrogenated vegetable oil, found in things like margarine, fried foods, pastries, and highly processed foods. Trans fats have been shown to increase the risk of heart disease, so it's best to steer clear of these, but most food companies are not adding in trans fats anymore because they know that consumers are not going to buy their products if there are trans fats. Why are fats important in general? Well, 
One, they make things taste better. Fat equals flavor. Fats also make up cell membranes. They help with the production of hormones. They help absorb fat-soluble vitamins. What this means is if you are not consuming fats in your diet, it's very difficult for the body to absorb vitamins A, D, E, and K. This is why when you take a vitamin D supplement, for example, you want to take vitamin D with a meal because the fat from that meal is going to help you better absorb that vitamin D supplement. Fat is also a large energy source because one gram of fat provides nine calories. With protein and carbs, it was four calories per gram. Fats is nine. This is why the portion or serving size for fats is much smaller than most foods. For example, one tablespoon of olive oil is 120 calories. You would have to eat five cups of broccoli to consume 120 calories. This is also why things like trail mix should be portioned out, especially if you are trying to keep your portions under control because trail mix, lots of nuts and seeds. Nuts and seeds are fats. So one cup of trail mix is between four to 800 calories. That's a lot. Fats, very concentrated energy source. Again, that's why things like oil, butter, peanut butter, nuts and seeds have a small serving size. How many fats do you need? Generally, we want to consume between 0.5 to 1.2 grams per kilo per day. When it comes to a percentage, fats should make up a minimum of 20% of your total calorie intake and ideally come from those healthier fat sources like avocado, avocado oil, olive oil, nuts, seeds, fatty fish like salmon and tuna, and then egg yolks are also a good source of fat. For women, we want at least 50 grams of fats per day to optimize hormone health. Let's talk about the fourth macronutrient. Plot twist, there's a fourth. It's alcohol. Alcohol is not often mentioned as a macronutrient because it's not essential to life. Some people might disagree, but when it comes to alcohol, the less the better. If you are serious about improving your health, your performance, or achieving your body composition goals, I would limit it as much as possible. How many calories are in alcohol? Seven calories per gram. So alcohol sits between carbs and protein. Again, carbs and protein four calories per gram, and fats, nine. Those are the four macronutrients, protein, carbs, fats, and alcohol. Now let's talk about tracking macros. Do you need to track macros? No, you don't need to, but it can be a helpful tool. Tracking can help create awareness around your current nutrition habits. It can teach you about portions, and it can provide you with quantifiable data to make appropriate adjustments to reach your goals, especially your body composition goals. A lot of my clients, both men and women, didn't realize how little their protein or fiber intake was until they tracked their food. Now, tracking is not for everyone, and it only really makes sense to track if you can measure your food and be consistent. It's all about consistency. 
Some of my clients are never given macro goals or we might give them macro goals and then decide it's not the best thing for them. On the last episode, we interviewed Ann Bailey, who's over 60 years old. She lost over 40 pounds in eight months and she never tracked a calorie. So it depends on the person. I don't recommend tracking for someone that has a past history of disordered eating or someone who doesn't have foundational habits. If you don't have a good foundation of general nutrition habits, like creating balanced meals and snacks with some protein, some fruits, some veggies, and some carbs, we probably shouldn't move on to macros because we have to master the basics first, just like squatting. If someone has never done a body weight squat, especially with good form, the last thing we should do is put a barbell on their back and have them do a barbell back squat. It's the same thing with nutrition. If you are going to track macros, sure, you can track for a few days to create awareness, but if you don't have a good foundation of basic nutrition habits, I do not recommend going straight to macros. Master the basics first. It's also not something that we want to do forever. This is a tool that I use with my clients that's temporary. It's to help them achieve specific goals. But once we cross the finish line, my personal goal is to wean them off of the macros so that they can maintain the results and live their best life without having to track. After a while, you can get burnt out and it can lead to an unhealthy relationship with food where you just look at food as a number, as grams, as ounces. So that's why we like to start with the foundation of basic balanced meals and snacks because after the macro tracking journey, we actually go back to basics. We end up back at the balance plate, tracking the data and weighing the food out or measuring the food out, that's only to help us get to a very specific outcome. The famous question that I often get asked is, Danny, what should my macros be? That's not something that I can determine just by looking at you. So if you ever ask someone, maybe a health coach or a friend or a trainer, hey, what should my macros be? If they come up with an answer very, very quickly, By just looking at you and not asking you a million questions, I would probably walk away because macros are not that simple. What people don't realize is that your current intake should be considered before you have a macro target to hit. And this is my issue with robot calculators in tracking apps like MyFitnessPal. I use my fitness pal for my own tracking, but I don't let my fitness pal tell me how much to eat because it doesn't consider your intake before you start tracking. Let's do an example so that this makes more sense. When you go into a tracking app, it asks you how much weight you want to gain or lose, and then it'll ask you to plug in your gender, your height, your weight, and how active you are. So let's say I plug my numbers in. It might tell me that I need 1,600 calories to lose weight because I'm a female and I'm 5'3". 
The thing is, if my average current intake is 2,400 calories, I don't need to go as low as 1,600 calories to be in a deficit. I could probably get away with eating 2,100 calories and be in a deficit. So you always want to consider your current average intake, not just what the robot calculators are saying. Another situation that I see often is that people are under eating. So a lot of people will reach out to me and say, Danny, I'm stuck. I'm eating 1300 calories. I've been doing it for a year and I'm not losing weight. But my fitness pal says that that's how much I should be eating to lose weight, but nothing's happening. In this situation, this person actually needs to eat more. The body is very adaptive. It's meant to do two things, survive and procreate. And when you're chronically in a calorie deficit, the body adapts. And that's why you get stuck. That's why you plateau. The body's like, "Uh uh-uh, we're not safe. We're holding on. Your body does not know there's a pantry and a fridge next to you full of food. So if you are chronically under eating or dieting, maybe you've been at 12, 13, 15, 16, even 1700 for over six months and you're stuck, the answer is not to stay there. The answer is not to keep eating 1500 calories and do more cardio or just push through and hope for the best. The solution is to eat more. The body is not meant to be in a calorie deficit long term. So if you're stuck at a plateau and it's been a while, and you're not sure what's going on, the answer is to slowly increase your calories over time. You got to go back to maintenance. That is the solution. I know it's scary, but it's the answer. And helping people with this process is my favorite thing in the world because they realize that they don't have to starve themselves to achieve their goals. And a lot of our clients actually feel better, perform better, sleep better, and lose body fat when we increase their calories. It's a magical thing, my friends. Reverse dieting. If you've never done it, mm, it is great. So that's Macros 101 and a little on tracking. I hope this was helpful. Have a great week and we'll see you next time with another client success story. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the channel and share with one friend who would benefit from this message. Need help with your nutrition? Find me on Instagram at DannyVRD or visit our website, pivotnutritioncoaching.com. Thanks for listening.